sensitive and that's how I am, right? Mm -hmm. I just, I'm very sensitive to certain things that people say and so if I take it to heart. I think that's why I'm, I work well as a realtor because I want to make sure that my clients have my undivided attention. I'm, I'm making sure I'm, I'm, that they're happy with it because I know I'm very sensitive to what you say and what you do. Welcome back to the DC Talks podcast. This is episode 24. I'm your co-host, Agent Double O, with the main man himself, David Cinelli. My guy, how you doing today? Always good, my brother. You was good? Yeah, man. Amazing. You look very happy today. <laughs> Maybe it's the shirt. You always say yellow actually brings up like your your happy your happy spirits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's my favorite color. Yellow. That, you know, you have the great skin tone for it too. Like it just it pops on you, right? Pops. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Speaking of um, happiness and everything that has to do with positive vibes, you know, speaking man to man, uh, this is a great opportunity for us to talk about uh, the mental aspects of actually going through the day to days of, uh, you know, going from being a young man to being an older man and all the different stages in life. Just call me an old man. No, no, not an older man. But uh, <laughs> you hear that, Alex? Guys, call me an old man. God. That's OG, OG, your OG, you know, going from like young man to OG. There's a lot of things that you have to handle over the past couple of years that impact your mental health. So I want to discuss mental health in this episode today, uh, get your take on it. And ultimately, by the end of the episode, people can understand how to cope with certain mental health um, aspects in their lives and, uh, you know, something that they can take away and they can apply to their life. Mm -hmm. So they can, if you have any stories you want to share, I know you have some stories to share, but I always have stories. Of course, you're a man of many <laughs> stories, but the things that you do share, people can take something from that and sure. apply to their uh, own lives. So to start things off, DC, right? Can you share uh, your personal experience with mental health? And sure how it has impacted your life as a man? Yeah, so uh, when it came to this episode, Owen and I were chatting a little bit. Um, so we had a little bit of wrench and we had a, we were supposed to have a guest come in and I said this morning, we were kind of like, we had- You called an audible. What's that? You called an audible. You know, like when you're quarterback and like you see like a play yeah. happening, you're like, ah, Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so we had to switch it up and I was like, we can talk about mental health and I'll explain what I mean for that. And um, so I kind of just thought, this is a good opportunity. If, you know, if you listen to my, um, if you listen to a lot of my Chanelli chats on Thursdays and we talk, a lot of it comes down to mental health because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know, maybe personally too, like I struggle a lot with the mental health and just the way you see yourself. Maybe not so much as, you know, depression as like some people got to that aspect, but it could have definitely gone that way. Uh, as a kid growing up, you know, I was the youngest of three children. Uh, and my oldest brother was born with spina bifida, had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Spike, you said again, please? Spina bifida. Spina bifida. What it means, I guess apparently it's hereditary in our family. Uh, my cousin also the same age as I am, uh, also has it. And uh, he listens to this podcast. So mm-hmm. shout out to my cousin, Mark. Uh, great fan of the show. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was one of those things. It's like my oldest brother, like it was... It's very, they're very different, right? The uh, very different than you see our demeanor, and our our life was different. Like he was, I don't know. As the oldest brother, it was uh, he's always just very negative to us. Like, to me, growing up, it was like I, you could tell he just wasn't happy with life, and there was, and just always like bitter and selfish, and kind of things were happening. Even from a young age, he's always oh yeah, 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 yeah. From like a little was, boy, just like just hang. so he just I don't know what it was. Like I, I, I grew up. Uh, my mom tells the story too, and. My brother always told me at the time, well, you're adopted. Nobody loves you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like your disappointment, all those kinds of things. And after a while, you start to believe them, right? And I'm a kid. And my mom tells a story where 
at one point I was like three and I started packing up and, uh, three years old, three years old. And I was going at the front door and she's like, where are you going? And I'm like, I want to find my real mom and dad. It was my brother was told me, you know, they found you in a garbage can. Nobody loves you. So I actually believed it. That's where the mental health started. Like, you know, it just, and mama had to sit me down. It's like, no, no, no. They know your brother was just, that's your brother. He's like, he's just, he just says stuff. He doesn't actually mean it to the, you like, we love you very much. But again, it's, it was just a struggle for us, you know, for me growing up. I, I had very, very low self-esteem. Uh, and it was funny because, you know, I'm playing high level sports. You know, we talked with Mac Ampoli earlier and mm. he's saying how he was kind of coming out and like, and just, you know, he felt like self-conscious and I was always good at, at a goalie, but up until I believed in myself, even though I was playing triple A, which is the highest level, I didn't really start to believe in myself until about grade seven or grade eight. And that mm -hmm. was my breakout year. And that's what I, then I started to excel. Mm -hmm. Then I started to believe in myself a little bit more, a little more. But even to this day, like I find, you know, like uh, I find myself always wanting some sort of recognition, never really feeling like, like loved a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I need reassurance even to this day. Like um, I say to my wife, you know, just give me a hug. I need to love. I need more affection. I need more stuff. Right. There's you just need to be told you're appreciated. Yeah. Like I, I do. I do like, but I also don't take compliments because I don't believe them still in myself. So it's really weird for me to have like people tell you like, I, to this day, I still don't think I'm good looking, believe it or not. Like I just don't, because I was always told I was ugly. Nobody wants you and always love too. So that kind of stuff still sticks in your brain for me mm -hmm. too. So it's funny when we have that, uh, like when Sam Hugh was here too, or my buddy Chris Kukoc, and uh, somebody says like something like positive, they're like, or, or says I'm good looking or something. They're like, oh, don't say that. You're just going to pump his tires. He's yeah. like, but I'm like, I had to say, and like, you guys realize I have a, really don't see it that way. Like I actually have the opposite. Like that doesn't inflate my ego to me. It doesn't, it, it's, it's the opposite. I don't, I don't believe it a lot of times. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it's still very hard for me to accept a lot of kind of stuff. And that's just, again, it started from there. And even, even through like through university, um, there was a lot of situations where you put this outwardly persona to people that goes, you know, playing high level hockey, you know, playing uh, in division three hockey, which was actually really good hockey. People in the mm -hmm. States there, it's like, it's actually really, really good hockey. And you kind of mask your feelings going out drinking and partying with friends, but it was home alone and realized I only had maybe one really close friend, but like up until like my first year, like he came the second year, First year, I was miserable. I had nobody to talk to, nobody to turn. I was very depressed. Um, I was playing probably the best hockey I've ever played, but mm -hmm. didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. Didn't really have anybody to talk to or turn to. Mm -hmm. And uh, you would never know that. You know, like you, it's just, it's it's one of those situations where unless you knew about me, you sat down, like, but nobody took the time to do that. Everyone, like, it's again, you're, you're in university, you're 21, 20 years old. Like, you know, nobody thinks about that kind of stuff yeah. too. But it was, you know, through the history of that too. And I find out that also my dad growing up uh, had a couple of bouts of depression and mm -hmm. was pretty low. And it was just, so it carries on our family. It carries on, yeah. And and we grew up very differently in our house. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, we talk about not celebrating wins and stuff too. It's like, you do something well, it's like, okay, what's next? Like, we don't, it's yeah. not like, oh my God, look how amazing it was. I think the pendulum switched a lot of people now, like people do nothing and everyone's like, oh my God, look how amazing you do. Yeah. That was, that's never been like, and, and not to say there's anything wrong with that. I actually like not to say that that's bad for my parents too. And they're like, my dad, my parents always just wanted the best. But when I was having these mental breakdowns, and again, I don't even know if my family even knew about this. Mm -hmm. You get thoughts of suicide. You thoughts of like nobody cares about you, nobody loves you, and all that kind of stuff too. What it's just, um, 
you, and then you start, I remember one time I was thinking, it's like, and it doesn't matter what I do. My family's never happy with me. And like, like dad, I can win a game. He's like, okay, but well, what did the coach say? And like, well, what do you do next game? Like, or how are you going to, how are you going to be better next time? And it's like, mm. can't you just let me enjoy this? It was like, but then he would just, he wasn't doing it to. Was he doing it to like make you be better? Yeah, of course. Because out of love, he was doing it. Of course. Yeah. But when you're in a bad mental state, you take everything negatively. Mm -hmm. Did you find that when your brother used to bring you down, you were, it's like more of like a self-fulfilling prophecy and you're looking that from other people. So your brother's telling you, oh, you're ugly or adopted and everything. And that's all you're seeing now in every interaction is you're looking for that confirmation bias from other people. Did you experience something like that growing up? <sighs> no, because you just would almost be shy and not talk to people about it, mm -hmm. right? You didn't want other people to see that. So you just assume that people already had that. Yeah. That he, what he was saying was the truth, you know? So you're walking around believing like yeah. what he told you. I used to walk with my head always down like this, always hunched over. Mm -hmm. Never, yeah. never confident, never stood up strong. Yeah. Didn't you know, smile that much. My mom actually thought it was on drugs uh, when I was in high school. Um, I think all of, some of it had to do with the concussions of being a goalie, but it was just like... There was just a lot of mental strain, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't not because of that, not because the, I was getting to over like the self confidence. But again, I didn't really get into being confident and say until maybe like maybe even ten years ago, really mm -hmm. to feel really confident. Um, so it was part of it too. But then there's also the hockey aspect stuff too. It was just I remember one time I was just tired and stuff, but I, maybe it was the concussions. I think she just came to me. She's like, Are "You okay?" She's like, "You're always tired, or lethargic." I'm like, "Those might have been symptoms of concussions as well, which also plays into." The mental health right mm -hmm. it's just like you don't always think the right way but uh yeah like i remember she's like you just you look like you're always withdrawn i'm like and i wasn't wasn't i, I don't even think i i barely drank at those days mm -hmm. let alone like we go to parties that we drink like i drank a six-pack and drunk and that was about <laughs> and that was, and that would happen once every like you know you know they're talking like like once every yeah four or five months it wasn't like something it wasn't habitual by any stretch of the imagination mm. so is it safe to say that your brother was one of the key causes of your low self-esteem because it began at three years old. It carries on till high school, to other areas of your life. What was he doing to you every single day where maybe, you know, from just listening to it, were you standing well, up? It wasn't just him, right? So, like, let's not, let's not put all those blame on there. Yeah. I don't want to say that. Because I'm looking for other want, areas. I don't want to, I don't, if he watches it, I don't want him, like, you fucked up my life or anything. No, yeah. no, it's not that. It's, it's, it's more of... We also just grew up like again. My dad was struggling with certain things too, so mm -hmm. it's, it wasn't just him. It was just the atmosphere we had in the house as well. Yeah. Um, like in in yeah. my dad did it was it was amazing father. I'm not saying that too, but there was some he was he was under a lot of stress and not too, and just he was not easy to be around, mm -hmm. um, especially like growing up with kids and stuff too. And it just didn't he, so. My brother's saying one thing was one thing, but actually feeling like you literally feeling you felt weird in the house growing up. We talked to my mom about mm -hmm. it too. Like it was just my mom and my brother Mike and stuff too. And like we always have a good time and stuff too. And Frank, even sometimes Frank with something, he would be like, he's the oldest one. But um, but even to this day too, it's like it's if it's just my mom, Mike, and me, like we have a great time. We always just got together. But it was like when my dad was sometimes until he got older and stuff, it was easier to be around and stuff too. Like we talk about him taking me on you know, like a, just an excursion to go look at uh, at properties. It was always a lecture. It was always like heavy. And it was always just like, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I get it. Like I get the lectures and it was like, but it just, it just weighed on you mentally, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it was. And it just, 
there was like no capacity for, I don't know, I felt like in the time that there was just like not a lot of positive things to look at. Like, you know, we didn't, which we should have, you know what I mean? Like we, we try to do the opposite with our kids and say like, hey, this is amazing. Like, we were, like I was good in school. I was gifted. And like my daughter is like, or like half gifted or like, you know, could have gone mm-hmm. to the program and stuff too. They're happy with it too. Like it did well in school. So they're happy with that. But it was, I don't know. It was, I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if your parents ever celebrated and were so happy about stuff. Like I don't remember like a, I was laughing saying my birthday stuff too. I don't remember having, I remember having birthday parties of me fun and stuff, but mm-hmm. it just never made me feel like some of these people have like, like, like they love their birthdays and they have like week parties and they do all that stuff too. I'm like, I never really had that, you know, I just, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that was just because of the way I felt inside too. Again, and again, this is not a lot of, this is not knocking on my brother, my mom or and that kind of stuff too, but I'm very, very sensitive and that's how I am, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I'm very sensitive to certain things that people say and so if I take it to heart. I think that's why I'm, I work well as a realtor because I want to make sure that my clients have my undivided attention. I'm, I'm making sure I'm, I'm, that they're happy with it because I know I'm very sensitive what you say and what you do. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know that at the time. And I just, and you're an adolescent the before the university stuff too. The, you don't really know how to react to that. And my dad was sensitive too, but never talked about his sensitivity, which, mm-hmm. so you had my mother, which is trying to like carry with two, through for three, three kids. Cause my dad was always working when mm-hmm. we were younger. Like, oh, like he, he's more, he was more part of our lives as we got older in high school and stuff. But, but Every time you had a talk, it was more like a stern, like it was never like feelings and all that kind of stuff. I needed like that. Like the empathetic feeling of right. like resonating with you. Like, oh, right. tell me more. Why do you feel like that? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I was always scared of everything. I was always scared of getting sick. Mm-hmm. I was always getting, I remember like, you know, just even going to my OHL camp and the guy, somebody was talking about like this doctor came and talked about STDs and stuff too. And I freaked out. I think at that point, I mean, if I like 14? No, I was 17. I think I had sex once and I was freaked out. I thought I, I was going to die from like- You thought you probably got the girl too, pregnant. Right? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't pregnant. I was worried about STDs yeah. and stuff too. And I was like, holy shit. Like it was like, it was, and everything was like, the way that we grew up, like was, everything was negative in the sense like, well, my mom and I talked about this the other day. Everything came out to be like- Doom and gloom. The worst. Yeah. Like yeah. You were just never happy about stuff. If you did something good, you didn't tell anybody about it because mm-hmm. you didn't want, when Italian called the molecule, you don't want the bad eye. You don't want people to get jealous and then send mm-hmm. bad voodoo vibes, uh, vibes on you and make it worse. So that's why we didn't celebrate. I remember my dad buying a brand new car. Okay. Can't say anything. Can't so say hide anything. in the garage. Well, they think, yeah. Oh, you can't say anything. And we, didn't, we just couldn't do any of that. And mm-hmm. it's like, it, it was very, very- I would never do that to somebody. I don't know. Like, and my mom, like, mom was like, it was very hard on us. It mm. was like, I didn't, you didn't realize at the time. And this is where this conversation came up. It was like, I had a conversation with my mom, like on Mother's Day, we talked about it. I'm like, that's a good topic to talk about. Like, and she brought it to a point. She goes, it wasn't easy for any of us. Mm. And I was like, hmm, you're right. You know, that's mm. kind of where I got the idea for talk about it. So it sounds like you had to walk on eggshells like every single, all the time, all the time in your life. And that's not a comfortable way to live. And no. actually, especially around your family, like you can do that around other people, but you expect when you go home, you're with your mom, dad, brother, like I you can rest home. and actually be comfortable. Up until I was later, I, you didn't like going home. Like we, we didn't mind going home until my dad got home and then we, like, the whole atmosphere would change, right? There's always stress and you know, we used to get the belt and like, was like that's like in the hands to get hit and stuff. Standard, yeah. But I remember sometimes we get hit and we're like, like, we didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, like other times we're, we were rambunctious kids. Don't get me wrong. We deserve what we got most of the time. But sometimes it was just like, he would just get frustrated with us and it was like, that wasn't cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, you know, I don't know if like nowadays it's like, it's, you can't even, 
you can't even spank your kids and it's, it's gone pendulum's gone the other way exactly. but we're not we're not talking like beatings were black but we're not talking so that kind of stuff. discipline just discipline stuff for like i remember as i got older one time my dad hit me and i was like but i didn't do anything wrong and mm-hmm. i got this argument about it i was like when he was little and he was just more of like fiery tempered right and mm-hmm. it was just things were just stressful he just didn't handle the stress well and i think that also led to his depression mm-hmm. and with things he had like three bouts i think of depression my mm-hmm. mom was saying like up until the year before he died he had a really bad bout mm-hmm. but i think a lot of that has to come with us not talking about it mm-hmm. and and when you when, sorry before you get into that before, if you don't externalize what's going on in here if you don't talk about it you don't release a lot of tension you don't figure out and it can cause issues in your heart in your lungs in your kidneys it, it can cause cancer like it's just you don't let this weight go from you mm-hmm. because you're actually vibrating in like a very dense state yeah. and when you're in if your level of body vibration is at that point, you don't have good blood flow. With lack of blood flow, you don't have good circulation, like the breathing problems, not foggy brain, everything just like starts deteriorating. When you were feeling like this, were you seeking help or no. or even a conversation with like a close friend or maybe a girl or something like that? How were you releasing your emotions? Yeah, you'd get drunk and things would come out, emotions would come mm. out. <laughs> were you like fighting? Like, were you yelling? How were you releasing? Because no, no, it's, I, it sounds like a lot of pent up stuff yeah, yeah, within like yourself, me, right? Well, we played hockey a lot, right? So we're always, the tension is there, the physical, like, like I started to get over, like, over more of it, maybe university, where you're, but there's still a lot of pent up in, in, in mm-hmm. university, too. A lot of anger, a lot of stuff, too. Uh, um, the, the physical aspect helped it a lot, but, um, but then also came like one of my good friends, Josh Strassman, like we became really good friends. Uh, like he came my second year and uh, he helped a lot. We drink a lot. We party a lot and stuff too. But then we get like, and there's stuff happening in his life and mm-hmm. stuff too. And we're like, and to this day, like he lives in Nashville now. We're hopefully going to visit him. Like it's always good. Sometimes we get conversations. We talk and talk like hours. And he was one of the guys who's just like, man, I got him out of his shell and say, like, I love you, buddy. Like, I love you as a friend. Like, and I got mm-hmm. him like now, every time I leave a conversation and I say, he goes, at the beginning, he's like, that's, you know, like he was homophobic, not homophobic, mm-hmm. but he's like, you know, I wouldn't say that. Like, you know, he just wouldn't do that because his family didn't do that either. Yeah. So we were like, my family grew up hugging and kissing. Don't get me wrong. Like my, we had a loving family. So it's not like, it's not like we weren't loving each other. My dad always hugged me, kissed me, wanted to hug me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that, but the stress management wasn't there. The talking was like, it was, it was different. So what helped me was like when I would talk with Josh and stuff and just be like, Tell him, like, this is our family. This is what we do. We love you. We like, you know, and um, it started coming like, so I, even our family started to change. I would say after when my dad would became more of our family. So in high school, it started to, to come around and then got better in university after the first year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very yeah. isolated. So when yeah. Josh came around. Um, how do you think the traditional notions of masculinity, of being stoic, not really talking about the things that you're feeling? Um, has impacted men in general from like seeking that support from other people. Sure. I think it's gotten better in some aspects, but I still think a lot of a lot of people still mm. don't find it beneficial or try to put up a good front. Like I had mm. a friend of mine uh, from university just committed suicide right before Christmas. Wow. Um, guy in the military, amazing dad. None of us saw it coming. And we know, I was just saying this. So I, all he had to do was talk to us if I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine him just being like, 
not saying anything. I can now looking back, I'm like, I remember university, there was always talking to you. And he, we'd, we'd like party drink and he'd like, sometimes he'd just be quiet looking back. Like, he, like, like kind of similar stuff. We saw the signs, like looking back. Looking back. Yeah. But you don't think about it. And again, university, you don't see him for like 20 years or something until mm-hmm. we find out this weird message. And I, so what I found in our group chat and we're like, I said to all the guys there, listen, don't ever, we never want to be in this position again. Talk to us. We're here to help talk i have a i have a close group of friends from high school and where it's like mm-hmm. maybe about 100 or 200 of us on this trip and i told them the story i said listen i had a good friend of mine just committed suicide you fuckers need anybody to talk to i'm here i don't give a shit call me anytime like we're here like we need the shit now there's other people that have gone a little too far they're like talk about everything other feelings and stuff mm-hmm. too like it's like it's but you know what at the end of the day that's fine you know when you're around like listen i'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather you i'd rather you talk more than not talk you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. i'm not saying that in our society i think everyone's worried about hurting other people's feelings and stuff too but i think you need somebody you like whether it's a psychiatrist whether it's a close friend it's your 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 it should be your spouse or somebody else you like you can just open up and say this is what i'm feeling this mm-hmm. is what's going on yeah i think with uh with guys especially when it comes like to places where maybe they are in a relationship uh, or they are married there's the idea that with men, if you do open up to your girl, that it's a sign of weakness. It's like a, because women, they're made to feel like, okay, if my man is losing his, his self, like he's mm-hmm. emotional, he's everything, like he, he appears weak in her eyes. This holds back a lot of guys from actually talking to the wives and, and telling them, hey, I'm feeling like this, I'm not doing well, because society has made it where women look to us for strength. Right. And strength is that even though you might not, even you might be going through these problems, don't come and solve these problems with me. Maybe go talk to your boys. Maybe go talk to a therapist. But then let's say you go talk to your boys at the end of the day. Right. They'll be like, yo, just man up, bro. Uh, Just man up. Uh, Like, relax. It's okay. I got you. You know, but you're looking for that depth. But then even to go towards and actually getting someone to talk to there's that element of shame that goes with it as well too. Like, sure. you know, and I think guys are stuck between like a rock and a hard place, meaning like, yeah, I can't go talk to my mom. I mean, I can't, can't. And I've seen it with my dad too. You know, my dad has gone through some things and he has a traditional way of living where that he doesn't want to open up to me because he doesn't want, he doesn't want his son to be seen as seeing me as weak. He doesn't want his wife to see him as weak or his daughters. So he dwells in his own misery. And be like, oh, go go get help. Like, ah, I don't need that or whatever. Because you can imagine like an African guy like going to get help. It's seen as, ah, oh, like that is, a, you know, in all due respect, he sees it's like, oh, that's like white people problems. You know what I'm saying? So they, there's that cultural aspect, even though you're dwelling in your own misery, help is seen as a source of like, I'm weak. And I think that's what holds a lot of guys back in solving their own mental health issues. Well, yeah, it didn't help that they're, you know, you know, we have Andrew Tate and stuff too, saying don't say that shit to 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 your wives that are just gonna yeah. say listen, at the end of the day, if you pick the right partner, mm-hmm. or have the right friends, there's you don't have to share it with everybody. Pick somebody that you know that it's gonna be like that you can help. And, just, and that's why sometimes you know you didn't, might even just meet a psychiatrist, just mm-hmm. go talk to somebody. Like again, they can understand that, but who are you helping when you don't talk about it? You know, if you're making yourself sick kill yourself you do like who are you helping 
You know, like that's at the end of the day, like if you, it's like a selfish act, it's it's a very selfish act because yeah. in some way you're altering, not to mention if you don't seek help, you're also altering the people around you and how they affect that. That also affects their life like huge mm -hmm. in a negative way. So you, by you trying to be this strong asshole, sorry, put it that way. Sorry, try to be strong man, but no, sometimes it's an asshole because you're being, it's a very selfish act. Yeah. You know, maybe you're, maybe it's you're hindering somebody else from being who they can be because you won't get the help. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm not saying the onus. I, I understand. Like I, I don't want to come across and say I'm not sympathetic because I I was in that position, right? And I wouldn't talk to anybody. And then I was like, then I love a, a switch flipped inside of me, and I'm like, why? Why can't I talk about this? Why? So some of my cousins will laugh at him, like you just say what's on your mind. Now I'm like, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I tell you how I feel. I don't need to hide who I am. I just, I feel that if you know me better, I can also know me better. I can also learn and grow. We can grow together. You can help me. And that's how I felt. I'm like, I don't think that's weak. You know, I said, I still talk about, it. you saw me cry when I talked to my dad. Does that make me a weak man? Or does it make me strong though I'm able to, to show you my feelings, how much I still love my, miss my dad. Shows you're strong. Yeah, that's how we got to flip the script sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying you have to cry too. Like, listen, I'm I'm emotional. That's who I am. I'm very emotional, and I'm not saying that you need to cry or something too. But sometimes it's okay to talk. Like, you know, it's why do we have Bill? Let's talk day. Mm -hmm. You know, like, is that helping? Right? Like, I, there's a reason why we talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking about like the Bell, let's talk. There's also chatter where mental health is used as an excuse towards problems that you might have. So let's say you had a bad day. You say, oh, yeah, it's, I'm having mental health. Like it's becoming like a coping mechanism to use where sometimes people can say, yeah, you know, I'm going through some mental health stuff. But, but the fact that it's so pumped up into every daily conversation, it loses its effect where people are just using it to get out of work. I remember, I don't know if I told you this before, but there's a company I used to work for that offered free mental health days. So if you were to like not feel good today, you can just come and say, yeah, I'm taking a mental health day. I'm taking a mental health day. And a lot of people were missing work. So in your opinion, how do we balance that idea of maybe understanding if someone is abusing the mental health? Because if you know them, like, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm like, no, like, I know you're using that as an excuse or maybe as a cop-out than knowing when they're actually but, dealing but with something. But let me ask you, Owen, like, how do you know, like, just because somebody is outwardly smiling and outgoing, mm -hmm. how do you know that they aren't suffering? But it, it's more of like... Again, I, I, there's, no matter what system you're going to have, there's always going to be abuse. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. There's always going to be some sort of abuse. On the mic. So... <laughs> But by you saying, like, trying to find all the buddies screwing over, you might actually be hindering somebody who actually may not outwardly show as having mental health, but mm -hmm. actually might need that day. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's a tough one. I don't have a solution for that. And we're like, it's because we're just newly into this, right? Trying to figure out what this mental health is to people. And again, I talk to people all the time. Like, a lot of it's being strong with yourself, too, mm -hmm. and talking to yourself and how you respect yourself and, and say things to yourself. But behind closed doors, we don't really know what we say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I can appear to you happy and jovial and everything's like, you know, like smiling. Like look at Robin Williams, for example, right? Happiest person other than still. Mm -hmm. He's not with us anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Self-infliction. So 
it's it's a very fine line, Owen. I I don't have a solution for that. I don't think. But you, I, I that's not in my capacity. And of course, people are going to abuse stuff. Of yeah. course, I don't. And that's where I come from. Like I always feel like, hey man, just you know, take care of your health. I mean, work out, eat good, go to the gym. All these different things really tend to lift up your spirit. Um, I do know like the clinical uh, depression and the mental health happens, but. Um, one of the few strategies that I feel like when I feel down about myself, maybe I'm lacking morale or maybe I'm lacking that extra gusto to keep going, especially building a business. And there's a lot of rejection, but you have to persist and you start wondering, am I good enough? Can I do this? But you're confident in yourself that you can, but internally you might feel good, but externally the message you're getting from the outside is a no, 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 no. So are you crazy or are you actually doing the right thing. So these are the things that um, I can feel and I can say, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Sure. It's like, I can feel and say, you know what, DC, um, feeling like it's like a mental health thing. But ultimately, it's just more about how can I really cope with the idea of feeling down day to day and actually managing my emotions to still feel like I still have self-esteem and I can still persist and do what I got to do to attain the level of success and happiness that I want in my life. So there's a fine balance of that. And I think by promoting the, you know, everything is mental health, I think we start promoting better practices of managing tough emotions. 100%. And that's the thing I said to you and I talked to my kids about too, like how you say to yourself, like, don't ever put yourself down. Mm -hmm. That's one thing, obviously, like I learned that from my real estate coach from, from day one, you know, like Rob Vivian always said, he goes, your brain doesn't know when you're joking or when you're telling serious. So never say anything negative about yourself. Even, even if you're joking around, it just, your brain doesn't know any difference. And if you say it enough times, it'll start to believe it. Mm -hmm. So that's what comes back with my brother always telling, like he would say to me, like, oh, you're adopted, you're adopted, you're adopted. And I thought I was adopted because your brain said it enough times. I actually thought I was adopted. You assumed it. I assumed it. Mm -hmm. And that's an example of what could happen, mm -hmm. especially if somebody, if, and that's why if you listen to like some of my channel chats, a lot of it is a mental health of what you say to yourself and what you say to others and how you treat others. So I talk about cutting people out that, that are negative, negative. They're not offering. Because that negativity eventually will permeate through. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to block those people out. And then there's a reason why affirmations work and you're about the positive things you say to yourself too. There's a reason why prayer works and you're talking directly with God. There are, there's reasons for that too. But the whole thing is it's, it's, you have to recognize it and do the work to do it. I put it in there and say that making sure you don't want any of those negative things come in. If you have somebody around you who's constantly negative, say, if you can continue being that way, I can't be around you. Mm -hmm. That helps with your mental health too. Mm -hmm. And some days you need a mental health day to go to Canada's Wonderland and jump on the roller coaster because you need a break from it. Sometimes you just need that. So and I, who's to say to I'm not the person to say to you that, hey, like you can't go enjoy a fun ride and take a take a break because we all need breaks. Yeah. You know, that helps. That's true. You know, I, I did take a mental I think it happened when I got laid off from my job that I was working in corporate. I just like booked a tea time and went and golfed like that was that was mental health break for me. There you go. Um, I also want to say to you, I think it's unfortunate what happened to you because I think the effect that your brother had on you came at the worst time possible. And I'll tell you why. Between the ages of three years old, three to five years old, are like the most critical years of any child's development. These are the years where whatever you say to that kid, whatever environment they're in, they hear, they hear, see, or do subconsciously impacts them for the rest of their lives. 
That is why religion, uh, especially religion, is really implanted on kids very early. So me, I grew up in like a Christian household. That's all I know, right? Because I started going to church at like three years old. So I don't know anything else. So imagine if, you know, I'm being told something else over and over. That is forever going to be with me because that's my most malleable state of my life that got imprinted early and it shaped my identity. So I just want to say that, man, I feel I feel I feel bad that you went through that because that's not right, because that is like the most critical part of your life that got robbed, that gave you a lot of experiences about yourself that were not really true, but just because you kept hearing them over and over, mm-hmm. it really shaped how you viewed yourself for the early stages of your life sure. until you snapped out of it and became David Chimali that we know right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just want to say that, man. Just want to say that. Yeah. Um, but again, I always prescribe to we are where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm here to help somebody else who's going through that. Also, have the same situation. You can snap out of it. Yeah. And uh, the first step is acknowledging it and saying, "Listen," and also forgiving the person that did that to you. Is mm-hmm. like, I don't hold any ill grudge towards my brother towards that happening. That it's just his mental capacity. That's the way he was. I talk to him now. Now I have a problem with him because it's a different story. Because it's like he still carries the grudges and he's still negative towards that. I, like that's different. You're an adult now. Like, listen, what will happen? The past is the past. But mm-hmm. what you do every day matters. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I am who I am. Part of that is because of where my brothers and my family was and mm. maybe other people uh, maybe will learn from that too and just be able to, to snap out of it and not have it come you know, too negative in their lives, right? Exactly. Um, if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? Anybody can do it, man. <laughs> um, as we work towards wrapping up, really quick, um, if you can offer the young men out there and the men in their lives today what are some daily coping strategies that they can start implementing in their lives to start dealing with those emotions in a very healthy way yeah. um, where they can be able to succeed? They can have healthy relationships with their family, with their loved ones. What are some of those things that you've done that you implement in a daily, maybe can be affirmations, whatever it is, yeah. but some things that you can share with the audience so they can take away here sure. today to start kicking their life in like the right gear if they're in a dark place right now? So one of the things I would always say is that when you wake up, say thank you for have a, a, a ledger, ten things to say which you are thankful for. Uh, I pray afterwards and I say thank you to God for those too. I think having a higher power, those which you can say thank you for being on that, really does help. Mm-hmm. Looking back in your life and sit there and meditate, pray, quiet, start to be comfortable with yourself and your thoughts, and then and you will feel some negative stuff come in there. Push them out change those with positive thoughts mm-hmm. if you need to do affirmations saying to yourself how wonderful how beautiful you are i'm worth it you need to do that in the beginning you do you have to rewire your brain you say things even you say things three to ten times a day mm-hmm. i am worth it i am worth it i am worth it god loves me god loves me god loves me um you're an amazing person and just things like write down 10 affirmations and say it over and over again. But that helps set up a routine. Make sure you wake up at the same time in the morning, do your affirmation so you don't miss out on that too. And then things you're grateful for, we talked about before, and then physically do something to help your active brain before you start any work and stuff too. Whether it's a 20 minute walk or do some yoga or work out in the gym, because now you're, you're, you're tapping your first, your physical and your mental health together Mm -hmm. and then you can start your day 
And if you can't cut up drugs and alcohol to get a better sleep, go to bed on time, you'd be surprised how much a good, a good night's sleep will help your mental health. Amazing. Well, DC, I just want to say thank you so much for opening up and sharing with us um, vulnerable aspects of your life and how it's really shaped up um, who you are today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's been episode 24 of the DC Talks podcast. We really unpacked a lot about mental health. Mental health is a big issue that we're all facing today. Uh, things a lot of young men are going through. And if you are that young man listening to this episode, whatever it is that you're dealing with, there is things you could tap into. There are resources. There are loved ones you can reach out to. Um, don't feel ashamed to really be who you are, own who you are, and be comfortable in your own skin because that's the only way you can live the best life that you can possibly live for your own self. Signing off, I'm Agent Double O. This is the DC Talks podcast with the main man, DC. DC, thank you once again for uh, the wonderful stories and how you came up and who you are today. I'm sure someone's going to find, find value in this, uh, in this yeah, episode. And obviously, if you, have, if you have any other questions, always, we always want to reach out, comment. And the one thing you have to say, too, and I'm saying you have to love yourself before somebody else can love you. So it's it's, it's sometimes it wasn't easy for me to love myself. Mm -hmm. It's hard, man. I'm not saying it's easy, but eventually come you you have to you have to love yourself a hundred percent have to yes accept yourself love yourself and know who you are mm -hmm. well like share and subscribe to the channel and i uh, will see you next week for episode 25 have a great week everybody